Welcome back to Let's Talk About That. Today we have, we have Amy with Girls on the Run. How are you doing today? Doing great. Good to be here. So tell us a little bit about Girls on the Run. <laughs> well, are you on the run? <clears throat> um, you know, that's funny that you asked that because 14 years ago when we first were getting this off the ground, people had no idea what Girls on the Run was and they would think it was a runaway organization. Mm, okay. Some kind. And it's not. It's not. Um it is if you if you think about do you have a do you have any daughters? I do have a daughter. Have a daughter. Yes. How old is your daughter? Fifteen. Fifteen. Yes. So, did you know what age girls' confidence peaks at? Um, I think it it varies because I think there's mm-hmm. it depends on, on mm-hmm. the the child specifically. Yeah. I mean, I think. Um, they're made a little bit different sometimes. Mm-hmm. Every girl's a little bit different mm-hmm. in that different stages. Um, on average, on yeah. average, girl I will say, oh, yes, yeah, go mm, 12. Very close, nine. Oh, okay, nine Short. years old. Before nine years old, girls believe they can do anything, be anything, mm. <clears throat> and then at nine, whatever forces come into play, confidence nosedives. And then it doesn't. It, it starts coming back up again after around fifteen, sixteen. So, so what do you think causes that? Um, I think there's a, a a girl culture. There's a number of things that are mm. causing it, but I think there's a girl culture. Um, there's a desire to fit in. Mm. Uh, Brene Brown says the opposite of belonging is fitting in. Mm. So it's it's this desire to change yourself to be what you think other people want you to be instead of being accepted for who you are. And there's so much pressure for hair to look a certain way, clothes to look a certain way, skin to look a certain way, body to look a certain way. So much of it is external on girls. Mm-hmm. And um, and there are certainly pressures boys face. I've got a daughter and a son. Yeah. And you know we definitely see pressures and struggle with young men as well. Mm-hmm. It's different. It's different. And yeah, so, I would agree with that too. Yeah. Yeah, my son's 18, so mm-hmm. I year. see the, uh-oh. <laughs> so would you agree, too, that, like, I mean, even at the age of nine, um, I think even adults, some some people mm-hmm. still struggle with that. Absolutely. You know, I mean, so it's a thing, like, it's more of a, like a roller coaster effect. and um, It is. I think we get a little bit more confident because, you know, nobody wants to go back to middle school. Yeah, some people are stuck in middle school. <laughs> this is right? true. This is true. Yeah. But the vast majority of volunteers with us, and I do want to go back and answer your question yeah. for listeners who don't know what Girls on the Run is. But, yeah, yeah, But absolutely. I'll say the vast majority of volunteers, we've got 300 volunteers every year. Uh, about 295 of those are uh, women, mm. and 5 to 10 usually are, are men, a lot of times dads <laughs> who want to make a difference in the lives of their daughters. Um, but the vast majority of them say, I want to make this different for girls than it was for me. And the vast majority say, I wish I had this when I was in third, fourth, and fifth grade before they go to middle school. Because what Girls on the Run does is we teach girls what they need before they go to middle school. We teach them about how to be self-confident. We teach them how to believe in themselves, how to stand up for themselves, how to deal with gossip, how to deal with peer pressure, how to love the body that they've gotten and to recognize that there's beauty in all the diversity of what we look like and who we are and all the different skills that that we bring to the world. So we give them all of those skills and tools. And um, the way we do it is 
through fun running games and activities. Oh, okay. So tag and relays and team games and activities, they barely know their... So it makes it more engaging. It's incredibly engaging. Okay. It's incredibly engaging. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, when you started all this, kind of going back for when you started Girls on the Run, um, what made you like think about doing something like this? Well, why was that important for mm-hmm. you to do something like this? You know, I would have to go all the way back probably to sixth grade. Oh, okay. When um, the principal came into the classroom and said, hey, could I get three strong boys to come and help move tables? Oh. And I thought, I wonder why the boys get to get Miss Class and go <laughs> do something fun. You know, That's the, recess, right? <laughs> things that, that, you know, girls weren't expected to be even strong enough to pick up a six-foot table. Right. You know, um, in sixth grade. And so just those stereotypes, those boxes that boys have to be strong. Mm. Boys have to be um, invulnerable all the time, whereas girls are always thought to. And that's a whole nother complex Mm -hmm. for boys. It is. There's that toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah. That that in order to belong or fit in. Right. Or like you mentioned, be in a box. In a box. But this is what you're characterized as, and this is who you are and what you should be. Yeah. And, and that's the same thing, like kind of, uh, as in your program, mm-hmm. um, it's the same thing you guys are teaching because people yeah. try to identify this is what a girl should be. Right. right? And what does it mean to be valuable yeah. as a girl? What does it right. mean to be valuable as a woman? A lot of times for men and boys, it comes down to what you do, you mm. know, how strong you are, what sports you're in, what you drink, what you drive, you know, things along those lines. It, it's, things are starting to change, but if we're just talking in broad mm-hmm. strokes, a lot of times for girls and women, it comes down to what you look like. And and it's mm. not about, you know, what can my body do? It's about what can my body look like? It's about right. being objectified. Instead of using our bodies as tools, they're expected to be ornaments. Do you guys run into the what's in it for me concept too? Like kind of where people are looking for something back and as a return. So they try to put you in a box and say, whether it's to get more status or more visibility where um, in a space that uh, I guess where you're you're kind of projecting where another person is um, maybe taking advantage of you for for their own gain. Do you run into anything like that? I think that's certainly possible. I think there's, you know, a lot of dynamics and nuances around Mm -hmm. gender and and around um, just self-esteem and Mm -hmm. what makes all of us feel that we are uh, valuable. Are making a difference, and so what we try to do specifically because boys and girls have such different yes box, you know, yeah. boxes that they're stuck in, or needs, or or um, stereotypes. You know, we're right now working specifically with girls and and just helping them to recognize that because that's the first step. You know, mm-hmm. when I was a junior in high school, my biology teacher said, "Hey, why don't you think about running for a senior class president?" I was vice president of the class at the time, and my response was, "Oh, I couldn't do that because I'd never seen a girl." as class president. Mm. And there was already a boy who was class president. And I just assumed that he would do a better job than I would. And so, you know, we get the, this is where we talk about, you know, representation in all kinds of ways matters. It's so important that girls can see adult women and preferably adult women who look like them, who can be a role model for, you know, you can be confident, you can love your body, you can do amazing things, you can resolve conflict, you can mm-hmm. stop gossip. So we get these 300 adults that come right to the schools where the girls are 
and there are about uh, 55 to 60 different schools, community centers that Girls on the Run is in. And they do this twice a week after school from March through May. And there's a curriculum that, that the coach, we call them coaches, these mentor coaches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be runners. They're, right. You know, they, they, Girls on the Run is about moving forward. So, right. Um, they could be. They could walk. They can jog. They can run. They can you know do whatever. Uh, we've got girls in wheelchairs that participate in Girls on the Run, but these coaches come to the schools twice a week after school, just for this March through May, and they've got the curriculum that we've trained them in. They walk right through the curriculum, and the girls get these messages, and it's just amazing to see the difference um, in in how they see themselves. So, so basically, they're um, more like also like leadership coaches, like so, or mm-hmm. mentors, like yeah. So yeah, they're mentors. So it's it's more so you have a, a component of life coaching, a little bit of yeah. motivational leadership, yeah. empowerment. It's really um, character development. Yeah, character, character development, development. Yeah, and it's all the skills and tools that every parent wishes their child would have to be able to navigate life. And like you said, this stuff doesn't stop right middle school or high school. You know, so many of us as adults are still dealing. Dealing with some of those same things. So this is foundational. It is. So this prepares uh, your girls for life. Mm-hmm. And this the is too. the mentor coach because the, you learn from and they the say, students, right? This. I'm using this, at, yeah. And they learn from the curriculum. You know, it's stuff that maybe we picked up somewhere but just had forgotten about, right? You know, who doesn't? It's have a reminder, to right? It's a reminder. Yeah. You know. Um, I'll tell you about a couple of the lessons if you're interested. I am. Yeah. So yeah. so we've got one of one of our favorites that the coaches come back all the time and say, oh my gosh, we're using this at work, we're using this at home, we're using this with our own kids. It's kind of therapy 101. My background is as a therapist. We'll get into oh, that. Oh, okay. But um, it's it's this idea that when you are having conflict or frustration, there's, there's a tool you can use. Um, you can use phrases. You can say, I feel blank mm-hmm. when this happens. And I need blank. Mm. And so, you know, the first thing that we do is we teach the girls these phrases. And so we want to get them moving doing that. So we do a leapfrog. I feel when I need. And, you know, they're leaping frog over over one another just to just to practice shouting this out and saying these phrases. And then um, and then we give them different scenarios. We have them come up with scenarios, you know, like so one little girl, Maggie, she was eight years old tiny little half pint, little Maggie, but big personality. And we said, Maggie, what's something that you're dealing with? And she said, um, my big sisters keep taking my clothes without asking. They keep borrowing <laughs> her clothes without even asking. And so what we do is we set up four cones around a track. And um, the first one says, I feel. And so the girls will run to that cone and whatever scenario they've got, we say, I feel, I feel how, Maggie? She said, I feel frustrated. Okay? Okay. When you run to the next cone, take my clothes without asking. (laughs) Okay? You got it. High five. Run to the next cone. Because, she said, well, they're mine. Uh, Yep. You got it. There it is. Yep. And then run to the next cone. And I need, she thought for a little while, she said, I need you to ask before taking them. Nice. He said, you, you got it. So run back to the start. We said, put it all together. I feel frustrated when you take my clothes without asking because they're mine and I need you to ask. And she goes home. She comes back the next lesson. 
she's just bouncing all over the place. She says, it worked. It worked. So, so part of that, that's a really amazing activity because you're unlocking a couple of different um, components of, uh, number one, courage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like even if they knew what to say, they may not have the courage to say it. Well, where do we give them the idea that it, it takes courage to say something like that yeah. in the first place? Who says it? Yeah. Right. 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 So we catch them when they're young enough right. just to say, hey, this is how you do this. Mm-hmm. It's it's no big deal. Just and, the, and courage is not arrogance right. either. Right. It's not the same thing. It's so self-esteem. It's self-esteem and confidence. It's confidence. Confidence is, is not um, a sense of being ignorant or, or mm-hmm. um, conceited because mm-hmm. those are two different things, mm-hmm. right? So, and you're also unlocking um, more so uh, uh, helping them understand what they want. Yes, because right? you have to know how you're... So a lot of our, our curriculum also deals with identifying emotions mm, mm-hmm. because a lot of times adults can come up with, I'm happy, I'm sad, and I'm mad. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. But what do you want to do about it? There's so much right. more than that too. <laughs> right. A lot of times we misattribute our emotions. We, we think we're mad when actually we're feeling lonely uh-huh. or we're feeling jealous or we're or feeling envious. discouraged or envious. There are so many other emotions. Yes. And if you just think I'm mad then you're going to justify, well, then it's okay to do X, Y, Z or something that actually makes the situation worse. Right. And understand their feelings and why they feel that. if you I'm actually feeling lonely, yeah. then the, what I would like for you to do is going to be very different right. than if you think that you're actually feeling angry. Right. Right. So we help them identify different emotions and then give them examples of, of what can you do about those things. So your background makes you kind of a black belt in this <laughs> well, I space. Don't know about that. <laughs> well, I mean, but understanding emotions and how people feel the way that they feel. We're all a work in progress. Yeah. Because our brains can hijack. Yes, they can. You know? Especially really late at night when oh. you're tired. <laughs> if you're tired, if you're hungry. Oh you know, yeah. These are terrible times to try to resolve. Make decisions too. <laughs> Right? You know, oh, yeah, yeah. these are all terrible times to make decisions, but just knowing that is, right. is empowering. And so, wow. um, you know, but that, that, so you asked, you know, how did I get an interest in this? So sixth grade, you know, high school, just noticing the differences between girls and boys and, and what we were allowed and not allowed to do. Um, and then just my interest in, in people and in human behavior. Yeah. So I found out about um, Girls on the Run when I was living in Tempe. I just saw a brochure. It, it started in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina in 1996. And it was probably around the year 2000, 2003, somewhere in there that I saw a brochure for Girls on the Run. I had done a master's program in family therapy and counseling mm. um, that was very focused on gender dynamics and gender differences and how we can help um, both boys and girls, men and women to connect and relate more with one another, despite some of these boxes that we're put into. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw this brochure, I thought, I want to be involved with that someday. But um, I was pregnant with my oldest and um, getting ready to move across the country. And so I didn't get involved right then. But when I did move across the country, I found a local girls on the run council there and volunteered as a um, 5K buddy. The, the program, this, this curriculum, it's usually about 10 weeks. It culminates in a non-competitive mm. 5K event. So every year we have about 1,200 girls who come out to one of two 5Ks that we do. We've got one in Elkhart, one in South Bend uh, in May, and um, they do their very first 5K. And the confidence that comes from accomplishing that, it's untimed, 
Every girl gets a bib with a number one on it. Every Survives girl gets a medal at yeah. the finish line. Right. And it's just the most spirited, colorful 5K. So I was a um, 5K buddy for a girl uh, when I was living in Grand Rapids. And then I was in Flagstaff for a while, and I was a 5K buddy there as well. So when then I moved here, um, and I'm from Indiana originally, but had, had moved away. Okay, and so you were coming back. I was coming back to, okay. to this area. I'd gone to college here and uh, coming back to this area. So the first thing I did was call the national organization, and I said, I want to volunteer with my local council. And um, they said, there's not one. Would you like to start it? Oh, nice. So and, you started your own chapter. <laughs> well, I had moving boxes everywhere. I had a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And I thought, oh, Whoa. that sounds like fun. Yeah. Let's try that. So I kind of tumbled into it. You know, I didn't... I didn't so you had no idea, it. did you? Had absolutely no idea. <laughs> no idea at all. Well, and the difference going in between volunteering mm-hmm. versus starting a whole chapter, mm-hmm. that's a whole different dynamic. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Okay. Let's talk about the time commitment and what that looks like. How did that, like, let's get into that. Yeah. Well, fortunately, there was another fantastic woman and a dear friend of mine named Chris Olson, who was also looking into possibly bringing this here. Two of us put our heads together and uh, divided and conquered a little bit, worked together, pulled in other volunteers. Um, Was that difficult? Was that difficult to do, like to bring volunteers in? No, because the the mission, when people find out about this, women in particular, men with daughters, mm-hmm. um, any anybody who loves or knows a, a woman um, says, oh, I get this. Right. Women in particular go, oh, I want this for my daughter. And, and so what, my next door neighbor, you know. She just jumped in. But so it. did it help that um, it was kind of established and like kind of the framework was there? Did that help? Well, that, that definitely helped. It was, it was, um, much smaller at the time. So the Mm -hmm. the framework was the national organization definitely had the curriculum. So Mm -hmm. we didn't have to create a curriculum. Yeah. That could be tedious. But we created our own training. Mm. We created our own uh, bylaws. We created, I mean, we created everything else. We're an independent 501 C3. So it was really apart from the national curriculum. Oh, okay. Um, it was really starting most everything from scratch and kind of the wild west. So how did you get into that component of it? Because mm-hmm. that's that's kind of mystical for some people, like the just establishing a nonprofit, setting up bylaws. Like, mm-hmm. like is this something that maybe you're? Did you ha- seek help within the volunteers I or I other people that have ex? Yeah, okay, absolutely. I knew absolutely nothing about nonprofits. Yeah, uh, whatsoever. Because my background was as a teacher, as a family counselor. Right. Um, it's a little bit different. It was a lot different, and so. But my attitude was, um, if if people can do this, I can figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, utilizing resources. There's so much on the internet. There's Board Source. Is, is fantastic. There are a lot of board blogs. source. Board source is great. Yes. A lot of blogs um, mm-hmm. that where people will walk you through uh, how to do this and that. I knew nothing about bylaws, nothing about governance, nothing about fundraising. Yes. The first time I went into uh, there's a fundraising ask. There's a, a local company that I went into and sat down, and, and the woman who was there, she's the CEO. She said, "Tell me about Girls on the Run." And I, you know, passionate about it. I gushed about it. Told her everything about Girls on the Run, and she said, "Sounds great. What do you need?" And how, you don't know how to answer that, right? <laughs> well, now yeah, I do. Now you do, right? Now I know exactly what we need and how it'll make an impact and why it's necessary and why it would bring 
her joy to get involved and how, you know, I know to find out what mm-hmm. is, what is, what motivates her and what's her story and how does she want to make a difference in the world? Cause that's different, right? That's different. Right. But when she said, what do you need? I wasn't ready to answer that question because yeah. I knew nothing about it. You that. didn't know what you needed. A hundred percent. Trial yeah. and error. You know, you make mistakes, you fall on your face and then you go, Oh, okay. How can I do this better? So, time? so would you say that, um, you got uh, intentional about like your needs potentially too, like for the program after like that was maybe a trigger or awakening mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. a pause moment yeah. and saying like, Whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. I didn't really, I, I know the framework. I know what, what we're doing, yep. but how can we expand this yes. and how can we let other people yes. uh, allow us to grow in, in different directions. So like, how did you, like, what made you, um, what was your first step in taking action towards that? Mm -hmm. Like of defining what that looked like? Yeah. Great question. Yeah. Because for better or for worse, um, you do have to be intentional. You know, you, you, I think intentionality is probably a core belief of, you know, I always want to be thinking about where are we going next? What's our North star? Mm -hmm. Where are we headed? And, um, and there are a lot of people who want to be involved. Mm-hmm. And so we just had to, we had to invite those people in, invite them in and then find the right seat on the bus for them, figure out where are we going? Purpose missions. What do we yep. need to do? <laughs> right. Got it. Yeah. 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 What do we so, need to get there? And then put it out there. It's like a buffet. Like here are all the things we need to get here. How, and this is our joint mission. Uh-huh. You know, this is something you're passionate about. I'm passionate about. How would you like to be involved in getting the organization from here to there? It's not about me and what I want and right. what I need. It's about the mission. It's about the organization. Right. So as as we start kind of looking at personal awareness and mm-hmm. and now when an organization has to be personally aware too. So you're mm-hmm. kind of wearing yeah. both hats. So you you look at for each person that has a mission because they have a purpose of why they're there as well. Right. And they're fulfilling. Yeah. And then the needs of the organization. Because uh, I know it's an operation. Like there's a lot of needs that happen. It's a business. Yeah. It is. It's still a business. You've got and it has that. impact. So do you do you find um, like challenges at times when you're looking at? Okay, I know this is uh, kind of what we need. Or are you looking at the awareness of the organization at all times and measuring that? Or how? What is your system for that to continue like movement? Like as you're looking at. Uh, pursuing your mission through Girls on the Run versus the culture what's inside of it Mm -hmm. because you have a community Mm -hmm. inside that you've built, right, Mm -hmm. locally. So what does that, the mechanic of that look like? Well, the mission, I mean, the mission of Girls on the Run is to inspire girls, Uh particularly third through eighth grade, to be joyful, healthy, and confident Mm -hmm. and to use a interactive curriculum that that creatively weaves running into that. Mm-hmm. So it's not about the running, but you know we're going to weave it into that. And so anybody who gets behind that mission of inspiring girls to be joyful, healthy, and confident is, is welcome on board and mm-hmm. has something valuable to give. And um, I think I shared with you before, I, I really like to think of myself as a matchmaker between what brings joy to this individual, to this business, to this you know, partner organization. How can we make them look great? How can we bring them joy? How can we help? meet whatever their personal mission is through opportunities that we have. So we started with 12 girls okay. in 2011 at one school and three coaches. And now wow, this year we're that was really at close. 1,200 1, girls. 1,200? 
over 55 schools and over 300 coaches. Wow. So, you know, when you say like, how do you think about that expansion or you think about that business model? A lot of people think that, that a nonprofit shouldn't be run like a business or that it has to be, and nonprofits are messy, you know, that there's, that there is but no messiness. We mind our own person, we mind our own business. Yeah. Like your own personal <laughs> business, life is a business. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're our own operating system, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So, I mean, why would it be any different yeah. to a certain degree? Yeah. I mean, and that's what you guys are um, actually doing. You're teaching those character traits mm-hmm. of how to operate and being able to intentional. be intentional about minding your own business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, that reminds me of, of a girl who said, at Girls on the Run, I learned to be the boss of my brain. That's beautiful. That's huge. Not only the boss of our brains, but that's the first step in being the boss of our lives. Yes. And too often it's very easy to think that life is something that happens to us. And, and, and there is a certain degree of you know, things that we don't have control over. Mm-hmm. So I'm never a person that just, just like, oh, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Anybody can right. do that. There, there are many, many forces that we need to recognize. But if we can give girls a little bit of sense of efficacy, if we can give them a role model who can show them what might be possible. So do you do a lot of, um, since you're matchmaking, <laughs> you're looking at character traits and your mentors as well mm-hmm. that can add value to a certain group yeah. of girls, Absolutely. right? So, so, I mean, like you get into some of the strategic <laughs> mechanics of this. This is psychology, 100%, <laughs> right? So it's looking at who's going to be the best match for a certain group. Well, in an ideal world, that you know that would be fantastic. That's a lot, but you have a lot, if, right? If we had, it's big. If we had 600 coaches knocking down the door for, for 250 positions or something like that. But in reality, um, it's hard to find volunteers right now. Okay. It's th- because this happens right after school. And mm. this is something all nonprofits are, are struggling with. So, you know, is, is finding volunteers and getting the word out and, and recruiting. Is that volunteers. just the time and like families? And um, is it, you know, it's what's that post, look like? I, my personal philosophy or my, my theory is that post COVID, um, we all learned uh, that we could stop doing half the things that we'd been doing, which is good. Did you say stop working? Yeah. Oh, oh. did <laughs> I say that? that? Whoops. <laughs> Should I be doing that? So I don't want to. Yeah. Back, you yeah. Know? And, and I respect that. I think one of the things we teach the girls is balance. Mm. We've got to have that balance. At the same time, we have teams of girls, a team of 12 or 15 or 20 girls at a school that, that wants to do Girls on the Run, and they've been looking forward to it since kindergarten, first grade, second grade. Now it's their year. Right. You know, their third, fourth, fifth grade. And we don't have enough volunteers and the team gets canceled. Oh. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And I think the challenge is that it's after school. So it's in that like, you know, three to five o'clock range. Um, it's hard for some people to get off of work. Because they have work, it's, yeah. It's work, yeah. Or if um, if people um, are off of work, then sometimes they've got other kids that right. they're... And whether it's sports mm-hmm. and other things they're going on. driving. Yeah, they're, they're really busy. Yeah, so, so it's a commitment. Yeah. But it's a commitment twice a week for about eight weeks. Okay, I mean, that's not so, horrible. It's not horrible. It's more so like if you start looking at kind of planning, if you want to get involved, yeah. you you know the commitment's going to be eight weeks. Yeah. And if you can work even with your job mm-hmm. and say like, hey, this is something I really am passionate about and I want to do, right. you know, like it's possible, right? Yeah. So we had yeah. to get creative around that because we're seeing this, this, this shortage of volunteers. And so we started saying, you know, how can we find more volunteers? How can we make sure we're... Um, 
we're giving people the opportunity that they're aware of it because every coach comes back to us and says, um, this made a difference in my life. Exactly. And I'm glad that I did this, but they don't necessarily know that going in. Right. They think it might be just, I have to coach running or I have to be a runner and none of that's true. Right. Um, so if we can help them realize going in, a lot of times it's teachers in schools that want mm. it for their students. It's, um, caregivers, parents, grownups, <laughs> aunties, grandmas who want it for their child. And, and that's so how they get involved. Them. They do it with them and then yes. they become a part of it. Yes. And then it's it's almost the same thing. Like um, if you look at, uh, say, if it was like baseball or soccer, mm-hmm. a parent, they have a kid that's playing on the yeah. team. They kind of come in. But then they start, if you're really passionate and you get into it, mm-hmm. you start seeing the impact you have as the big person, the mentor, the person with advice. And not knocking parents, but sometimes... When you're not the parent mm-hmm. and you see it from someone else from a different lens, yeah. you know, you're able to see them and say like, wow, that person inspires me and I can do more. You know, it. you know, like, so Absolutely. that's, it's really big. Yeah. So, um, so what do you, uh, what's the plan? Cause I know we, mm-hmm. looks like we have a game plan now. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, for the volunteer shortage, as you're looking at, is is it like maybe a time adjustment into hours, or do you what what type of ideas at, are on the table? Yeah, we look like, at all those things. I mean, we have tried time adjustment. Most people don't want to come for a, you know seventy five or ninety minutes at, before school at oh, seven a.m. Yeah. Schools yeah. tend to like to lock up and go home, you know, by five o'clock by the time people are off of work, and then there's dinner and bath and bedtime. So. So time adjustment can be tough. Um, so we're really just looking at getting the word. We know that there are people out there. Yeah. We just need to get the word out more. Gotcha. So that's part of it. And then another part of it is, is you know, we implemented a small stipend for particular coaches who maybe have to take time off work right. to coach. So let's make up for some of those lost wages. Parents or guardians who um, have childcare issues, they've got a younger one that they need to have babysitting for. So, you know, I we implement it. that. Um, people who have an issue with transportation, it's going to cost me money to to get to and from the volunteering. Mm. So, you know, we're, we're experimenting with about $200 just to defray that, just to sweeten it a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, we're excited to be, well, we're the recipients of a significant Lilly Endowment grant this nice. year. Nice. Congrats. $175,000 to support our mission over the next three years. And a lot of that's going to be going toward appreciating our coaches in partnership with uh, nice. businesses like Fleet Feet. You know, can we give a free pair of shoes to some of our coaches, the first ones to sign up or the ones who are committing to two days a week? You mm-hmm. know, we're getting ready to roll something like that. You, you heard it here first. Oh, it happened. <laughs> so, like, how long, um, how many years do uh, your girls stay in the program? Mm-hmm. They can do it third through eighth grade. Third to eighth grade. Third, okay. fourth, and fifth grade is one curriculum. And then the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade is a more mature, a little more deep dive, um, a different curriculum for those girls. So the, the majority of them will come back for a year or two. And, uh, okay. And we've got about 50%, I think, every year that, that come back. And then another 50% is like brand new third graders or new fourth or fifth graders. Hmm. So they, they kind of spend a, a, quite a bit of time. They can be in the program and kind of develop yeah. into when they hit high school, mm-hmm. right? Because the more you hear this, yeah. you know, over and over again, the more you practice it. And that's what's cool about it is that they're actually practicing this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, a lesson on gossip, we start with a little tube of toothpaste squeeze it out onto a small paper plate. And then we say, out of the 15 girls, we say, I need a volunteer. 
and 15 little, you know, eight-year-old hands go up and we say, all right, I need you to put that toothpaste back in the tube. Oh, <laughs> and it they, never they, all gets in there right. No, <laughs> eight, 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 nine years old. They yeah. say, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Absolutely. And uh, so, you know, they, they get a spoon and they're trying scooping it fix and here, let me try. No, I can do it. You can't do it. Let me do it. So they all try for, you know, five, seven minutes. And then we, then, then they kind of come to the realization that, yeah, this isn't going to work. It's never going to be the same. And we say, okay, <coughs> who's me. heard about the word gossip mm. and what does this have to do? with this tube of toothpaste. And all of a sudden a light goes on and they go, oh, once it's out, it can't get back in. This is wow. And we have girls in, in college that come back to us and they go, I did Girls on the Run when I was a girl. I said, what do you remember about it? They remember things like that. Mm. They remember crossing the finish line at the 5K. You know, so, so we start with a tube of toothpaste and then we play Gossip Girl Tag. You know, and, mm. and you're just building What's that look like? of the coaches are yeah. the Gossip Girls. Okay. And the, the whole, you're just warming up. You know, you're just five or 10 minutes just getting our bodies moving. But the idea is to stay away from the gossip girl. Right. And you're learning that viscerally. And you're running from them. And, you're from them. <laughs> and they're chasing you, all right? Yeah, yeah. And That's then we cool. go into the next part of the lesson, which is what do you do when there is gossip? Uh, and so we actually teach them skills and tools about changing the subject or about saying, I don't think I need to hear that, or saying, I don't agree with that, but that's okay. And then we'll give them scenarios, and this is where there's a little bit of the running. So they might run you know, halfway down the, the soccer field, around a cone, and come back. And we've given them a scenario to think about. Like a girl says, oh, did you hear? Art just failed his chemistry test, right? And the girl comes back, and then she practices what she would say in that situation. And then we give her another situation. And they can run with partners and talk about that. And then, then they're actually practicing building these skills. So without being in the program, um, they would have to figure out how to do that on their own. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or they would just follow what other girls do. Which just is, follow along. Which is not to stop the gossip or the peer pressure. They could spread it. It's to, it's to exacerbate it and to spread right. it. So, you know, we've seen coaches and principals who come and they say, these girls on the run lessons become part of the culture of our school. Yes. And, you know, one principal, she said she had three girls. Um, she said mouth and off was her term. And she had been a girls on the run coach. This principal had. Oh. She brings them into her office and she says, what did we learn at girls on the run last week? And they said, we know. And they reviewed the Girls on the Run lesson. And then she sent them back to class saying, I want to see you doing what you learned at Girls on the Run. Okay, so now now you're digging into a little bit deeper into that. It's taking what they're learning and, and actually like bringing it into mm-hmm. outside of the program, into, That's into their lifestyle, yeah. like into bringing it home. Yeah. Yeah. And bringing it to school, bringing it into their life. And that's the whole point because mm. Maggie, who I told you about, whose yeah. sisters were taking her clothes, what happens when she gets into high school or college and there's somebody who's trying to take her clothes off without her permission? Yes. She has now got the idea and the courage, like you said, yes. and the skills to say, uh-uh, this is mine. I get to decide. And to voice her own opinion. And to have an opinion. And have an opinion. And that's important. Yes. Because a lot of... People uh, feel like their opinion doesn't matter. So you know the story of the three bears, Goldilocks mm-hmm. and the three yeah. bears. Yeah. Let's see how much you remember here. You know they uh, they're making some porridge, right? They're making <laughs> some porridge, and uh, Papa Bear's porridge was too hot, Mama Bear's was too cold, and Baby Bear's was just right. Was it? So what did they do? 
they gave the upper and the bottom of the ladder, and he be, he stayed in the middle. They went for a walk. The three bears went for a walk. That's when Goldilocks sneaked. Oh, there it is. Do you remember? Yes, yes. Papa bears was too hot. Mama bears was too cold. Baby bears was just right. And so they went for a walk. Why? Because Papa's was too hot. To let it cool down. Let his cool down so he can eat. Mama bears gets even colder. Because she couldn't eat. (laughs) Gets cold. Right. So this idea of voicing an opinion, you know, we we just we but we absorb this from childhood is that Mama bear didn't have an opinion, baby bear didn't have an opinion, but. You know, there's Pop nobody bear. speaking. We're just gonna, we're just. I mean, and this is like one of you know thousands and thousands. But you're like when you look into that. order of things, you know, no one really knew the full story behind it, right? Of why Mama Bear's porridge was cold, <laughs> right? They didn't. You don't. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't tell you when she tried the porridge. Yeah. Right. The, it's you just, don't know the, it's the mechanics. Yeah. 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 But there are just so yeah. many ways that girls right. are taught not to have an opinion. Just to be quiet, to be seen, to be pretty, right. and that's what makes you valuable. And having an opinion can actually cause you to be not fit in. It mm. might help you belong, but you're not going to fit in if you have an opinion sometimes. Some right. girls believe this. And so helping the girls learn that it's okay to have an opinion. You know, we talk about um, friendship and how to mm-hmm. choose good friends and how to speak up for yourself. What's the difference between a friendship booster, a friendship tester, and a friendship breaker? Mm. When do you need to walk away from a friendship and empower girls to know that that's okay to it's do It's okay that. to walk away. That yeah. sometimes you need to. There yeah. are certain behaviors that you are too valuable. Mm. You do not deserve to be treated that way. Right. And we have had at least one coach come back to us and say, after I taught that lesson on that, I needed to leave the relationship I was in. There it is. So that's where, that's where you start digging into... The mentorship side of it, it's yeah. equally um, as much for the mentors yeah. as it is for the girls. So I'm yeah. passionate about it. You can see I can go on. Yeah, I see. I love it. That's uh, that, yeah. You know, that's that's where my passion lies. Is is just doing everything we can to empower these girls and and women. And I think with any business, with any nonprofit, that passion mm-hmm. is is key because you're pouring your life into it. Right. And if you're going to invite others to be part of it... They have to see the passion, too. They have to be able to, yeah. to ignite their own passion. Right. You know, if they have it. And it, it might not... Girls on the Run might not be the right thing for everybody. Right. You know, and if I find somebody who has a passion for something else, then I'm going to connect them with the person who, who right. does that. And that's okay. So how... Like, so... How did you get to the point where you seek out your passion full time? Mm. Okay, so yeah, one of the things, the obstacles you'll have is um, being able to get into something you're passionate about it. But we all live in this like this real life world yeah, scenario, need a paycheck. like where we have to make money and <laughs> t- and be like responsible yeah. and adulting. Yeah. And uh, I mean, for kids, kids out there, if you're listening, this is one of the things that you have to appreciate. Yeah. Like when you're younger, you're able to work on yourself. You have the time to do that mm-hmm. and get close to what you love. Like it's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. So how how would you? What advice would you give someone to say if you're passionate about it? Uh, what does the commitment look like to seek out your passion mm-hmm. or your calling? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I've heard it said that. That where you belong is the place where your deepest passion meets the world's deepest need. Mm. And, you know, what's the overlap of that? And I think we need to add in, and you can also 
make a paycheck and, and right. survive. You know, so that sweet spot can be can be really elusive. But I think that self knowledge is hugely important. What are my skills? Mm. Um, what am I good at? Because if you're going to be expecting to make a living at something, you've got to have the skills and tools, or you need to find a way to develop. Or you need to figure out how to do it or so build skills. Feedback. I mean, there yeah. are there are a lot of different people in the world with a lot of different skills, and I think being an entrepreneur is um, is a a little bit of a specific skill set. It is one. Yeah. Well, because there's no net. There's no safety there. You have to figure out how it all works. Yeah. You don't have to be a expert in everything, yeah. but you need to be aware of what you need to know. Yeah. yeah. Right? So just being aware of what you need to know, whether it's seeking out, mm-hmm. uh, finding those around you mm-hmm. to help build that up, or if it's something that's really niche and like if it's something you're passionate about, you have to put in what's the 7,200 hours mm-hmm. of mastery of the time. Yeah. Oh like of putting that in to master yeah. uh, a skill. Mm-hmm. Like in your passion has to align with the commitment, right? Yes. Yeah. Because there were a yeah. lot of a lot of late nights of, uh, you know, wait until my kids went to bed and then working, working, working. And, yeah. Um, that third shift, like yeah. kind of unlocking yeah. when you're just broken fatigue and you're still going because you're passionate about it. Well, and there are right? times that I had to pull myself back. I mean, you know, very honestly, that I, I would find myself losing my temper with one of my kids and think, okay, this isn't worth it. I, you right. know, and, and I would say, I, tomorrow I'm quitting. You know, this was yeah. early on. and um, Or there was a time where, for whatever reason, my daughter, she was maybe five, and she was. we were talking about adjectives. I homeschooled my kids during all of this. Oh, wow. I, I was teaching That's them impressive. Home, um, for about seven years, uh, trying to juggle everything. And um, and one time I, my daughter had to, maybe we were studying adjectives or something, or for whatever reason, she was, she had to write something to describe me. And, um, and I think she wrote busy and stressed. <sighs> and that was a wake up call. Ouch. Ouch is right. Yes. And so I had to make some changes you know, right away to, to have a little more balance, a little more attention. And that's not just for you, but everything around you, like the, the, it's a ripple effect, right? So everything in your atmosphere, you have to be aware of that as well. You know, a very wise person that I look up to once said, balance comes in hindsight. Mm. You're not going to have balance every single minute when you're starting a, a nonprofit or a business or, or in those first, you know, three to five years, especially, so you maybe you put in a lot of effort then, and then you have. But but if you find yourself chronically, yeah, stressed and tired and overworking right. and unable to to pull back, then you have to come down at some point. Yeah, it's well, like a teeter totter, right? Yeah. So like, if you're always maxed out, like yeah, it's it's just a lot to try to keep yeah. up. And some people live yeah. that way in chronic stress and chronic tiredness yeah. and busyness. And um, but you know, the author Andy Dillard says how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Mm-hmm. And you put together, you string together too many days where you're unhappy, you're stressed, you're tired. That's going to turn into a life. Oh yeah. And so that's not something that I wanted. Um, yeah, that's not living a life of peace. It's not. It's not. It's, <laughs> at, at all, yeah. So I think we have to be mindful as as entrepreneurs or, or nonprofit founders or whatever that intense career is that it's okay to work hard. It's okay to you know put put uh, to lean in a little bit, but um, but I don't like that lean in all in yeah. all the time, grind yourself to the bone. That's that's not for me. Yeah. 
That makes total sense. That's not healthy. I know. I think we all know, you know. We've lived it quite a bit at times, you know. Yeah. So what's next for you? What What are you looking for? What's next for Girls on the Run? Mm-hmm. What would you like to see? Mm-hmm. Your vision? Oh, well, we always want to reach out and serve more girls. We always want to have the opportunity to bring this program to more schools. Uh, fortunately, we are already in almost every South Bend Community School. Very nice. Almost every Penn Harris Madison School. Every Penn Harris Madison School. Um, 13 schools in Elkhart County. So what's next is more Elkhart County. Okay. More schools. There it is. More coaches, uh, more girls being served in Elkhart County. We brought a 5K here two years ago. It's... um, it's going to be May 11th, I believe, this coming spring. Starts and ends at Trinity Church on Jackson. Nice. Fantastic community there that allows us to use the gym, the parking lot. We've got a great course that goes um, right through the neighborhoods there that a fantastic woman in the community, Paula Turk, she's a 5K uh, director here in the community, uh, helped us get going on that a couple of years ago. And um, it's so great to see people come out for that. And the rotary comes out and, and dresses in tutus and colored hairspray and you know it's cheers. It's good time. On. It's fun. Time. Yeah. So yeah, just more Elkhart County. Um, we've got some fantastic initiatives around diversity and inclusion that are incredibly important to us that that we've made some great strides on. We're going to continue to pour time and money and resources there. Um, a lot of people talk a lot about that, but don't want to put resources mm. toward it. And we find that it's just really critical. And resources isn't just money. No. It's no. not just money. It's not. It's resources are resources. Resources are all kinds of resources. Yes. Time, energy, thought, discussion, conversation, yeah. reaching out, input, listening sessions. Yeah. So much of that. So Elkhart, um, our, we call them our idea efforts, inclusion, diversity, equity, and access. So focus on Elkhart, our idea efforts, um, coach return rate, and we have great return rate on our coaches. We want to keep that high, make sure they're having a good experience. And then we're rolling out um, three new curriculum. Oh, wow. So You guys are busy. We are very busy. Very well, busy. Well, but very impactful. I like to think so. Yes. It's, it's a team effort. It's yeah. an amazing board, an amazing staff, and every single coach that comes and volunteers with us just that's makes awesome. a world of difference. So that's what's next. So to get involved, what would be the first step for someone that's interested in getting involved There's a million with Girls ways on the Road? to get involved. I think the most rewarding way is to sign up to coach a Girls on the Run team. And okay. You don't have to be a runner. You don't have to be a coach. You know, um, we teach everything that you need to know just to mentor and walk. And then you're paired with other coaches who have done this before usually too. So the first step is uh, one way to get involved is that um, coach applications just opened at our website. Um, okay. And so, and then, or to bring the program to a school, if there's a school that doesn't already have it. Um, so even if you're in a school and mm-hmm. and you don't have the program, yeah. talk about it. Yeah. Like, talk about, talk it. about it. to us. Yeah. You know, go to the school counselor and say, have you heard about Girls on the Run? Go to the principal and say, you know, we'd like this. Would you be supportive? And then reach right. out to us and we'll have a meeting and we'll talk right. about making that happen. So, you know, p- businesses that want to be aligned with Girls on the Run can sponsor uh, Girls on the Run. We do an amazing job of making our partners look great and really mm-hmm. getting the name out of there. 
we've had so many people say of all the nonprofits they've worked with, we're so mindful about that. Mm. So I would say, you know, just reach out, get involved, sign up um, for our newsletter on the website, uh, go to our Facebook page and just look for a way to reach out. We'd love to have a conversation. That's amazing. Thank you so much for coming. Absolutely. It's, it's my pleasure. It's good to be here. Love it. We'll see you on the next episode.